Hey everyone, it's Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com and you are listening to Vodka O'Clock Podcast. What you are about to hear is a recording of a panel at the New York Comic Con Special Edition. It was called Reimagining the Female Hero. And on the panel were Jenny Frizen, Emanuela Lupacino, Marguerite Bennett, Gail Simone, and a little bit late to the panel was Amy Reader, who had been off at another panel. So this was fantastic because it, even though the women in comics panel is done at every single show and it's kind of getting a little redundant, a lot redundant, one should say, um, sometimes it's nice just to see when there are different panelists. Um, usually it's, you know, it's sort of a given that Gail Simone is going to be on something because she does a lot of conventions every year. But uh, it was really great to see the rest of these panelists that are, are people that I, I never get to see um, and learn about their work as well. So uh, it was cool. There was a lot of discussion about Red Sonia and Vampirella and Wonder Woman. So give it a listen. And if you couldn't make it out to the show, then uh, you will at least get to feel like you were there and, and part of something. Um, leave your feedback and comments. And, you know, if you have any questions about about uh, the conversation, by all means, let me know. I'll see if I can get you some answers or at least direct you to wherever you can. Well, hello, hello everyone, welcome. Full house, see, what we want. I'm very excited to be moderating this panel, Reimagining the Female Superhero. My name is Ben Saunders. I'm a professor at the University of Oregon. I was hired to teach um, Shakespeare and early modern poetry, and I got tenure, and I've been teaching comics ever since. <laughs> we are, um, uh, I'm just going to, I hope that you're already familiar with the work of all of the wonderfully talented people on our panel. We have a fifth panelist who uh, is on another panel right now, and I'm sure hurrying to be here. So um, when she enters, I'll announce it, and you can all applaud her and make her feel um, loved and wanted. Um, but till she gets here, let's uh, start at the far end of the table with um, Gail Simone. What's up, porches? One of the most well-known <laughs> well and highly regarded writers working in contemporary genre comics. Gail Simone's witty but often darkly themed comics have shaped and expanded the modern market for well-imagined female superheroes. I think panels like this exist in part because of the work that Gail has done. Her many credits include Birds of Prey, Secret Six, Wonder Woman, Batgirl, and she's also recently revitalized one of the great warrior women of comics, Red Sonja. Sitting next to Gail, we have Marguerite Bennett. Described by Newsroom last year as a rising star of the comic book industry. Marguerite has written Batman, Batgirl, Lobo, and has actually collaborated with another of our panelists um, uh, on a well-received Lois Lane one-shot. And she has uh, many supporters on And sitting next to Marguerite, we have um, Emma Lupacchino. Woo! 
Count Rogers, who worked on the Italian series L'Insomnia, is that uh, the Insomnia? Um, before publishing in the United States with IDW, Marvel, DC, and Valiant. Notable work includes a lengthy stint on X Factor. DC credits include Catwoman, World's Finest, and currently Supergirl. <laughs> and finally, the fabulously talented Jenny, is it Frisson or Frisson? Frisson? Uh, I just think Frisson would be. Uh, <laughs> Okay. So, so Jenny Frisson. Uh, <laughs> remarkable cover artist. Has, her work has graced the cover titles for Marvel, DC, Image, IDW, and many others. Red Sonia. <laughs> I think you may have one of those in the slideshow. So, well, I'd, I'd like to begin um, just by asking you all what your own experiences were with comics and popular media when you were growing up in relationship to female protagonists and female heroes. Were there any female heroes that you were particularly drawn to um, in your own childhood or teenage years before you ever imagined creating these characters yourself? And that is open to any and all of you. <laughs> Oh, and uh, Jenny, I was told to remind everybody to speak right into the right mic. Into the microphone. Can you hear me? Okay. I have a little bit of a cold, so I'm all nasally. Um, when I was a little kid, my parents got me a Wonder Woman um, like book that came with a tape. I think it was called Cheetah on the Prowl. Um, and I loved it. I was obsessed with it. And then uh, I always thought Wonder Woman was really cool, even when I wasn't reading comics. There wasn't really, at least, I wasn't part of a comic community as a kid. So... Um, I really wasn't into them at all until I got into high school. And when I was in high school, I saw uh, Adam Hughes' first Wonder Woman cover. And my, I just, my jaw hit the ground. Um, I was just so excited that that was like a thing that people could do, that you could create an image like that and you put it on a comic book. And I got really into comics after that. So long story short, Wonder Woman. My favorite superheroes are from the 80s, and um, I've, I've known them uh, when I was a little girl and I couldn't even read comic books because I was too, too little. And they are Shira from the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> and, uh, and the incredible part. How about that for time? Do you remember the uh, TV series from the 80s? <laughs> and I think it, it was the best. I mean, at that time, uh, there was nothing like that you, you could watch at the television, and I was totally addicted to the character. Uh, but, you know, the Masters of the Universe was something that grew up with me. Um, I spent my whole childhood uh, watching the series. Uh, so, uh, even before I started reading comic books, uh, these are my two favorite superheroes ever. Um, my introduction to Batman was actually through the animated series when I was in the afternoon. And so I guess the major introduction wasn't so much to female superheroes as it was to female supervillains. And so Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn, that was my whole introduction. Wonderful to 
see these women who did not abide by your rules and were not willing to take your consequences. And so <laughs> that was actually the thing that was um, was really the major kickoff and introduction for me into the university. Um, I have a couple things that kind of happened sort of close together, and one was. Can you read that? Everyone. Rising Stars of Manga, which led to her uh, her own Fool's Gold, um, and then she has since illustrated DC's Madame Xanadu and Batwoman titles, and more recently has been collaborating with Brandon Montclair, uh, first on a book called Halloween Eve, and right now on Rocket Girl, which we love. Right? Woo! So, so Amy, the, the question we, we were asking is, uh, from childhood, were there any particular female heroes that you gravitated towards? We we already got to She-Ra hero, but right. <laughs> you know, you could say, say more about Yeah, I was a big She-Ra fan, for sure. 
um, and um, and also Jen. Yeah. It's almost like we were friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I was very into those things. I was mostly into things that had girl characters. I would say when I was younger, either that or they were animated. Like I can't, I couldn't watch Sesame Street or anything. Like I would refuse unless it were drawn. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like I, it was a great time being a, a kid in the '80s was a great time because there were a lot of empowered female characters back then. As dumb as there's humor now, <laughs> you know, it's really weird. Um, but no, it's good. She was, she was this awesome. I, I missed Jam completely, but Shira is back. Shira is streaming on Netflix, or at least was last year, and my daughter watched them all. I think Jem's coming back too. Yeah. 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 So I just put up a miniature of Spangaloo, which I know several of you mentioned as well. Anybody care to speak to it? <laughs> Well, I, I didn't get into her when I was young. Um, I don't know when she reached the United States or anything, but um, I got, uh, like, I had a friend in, in high school, at the end of high school, who was really into her, and so then I started watching, like, I would have to tape it because it started at 6 a.m., um, and then I'd watch it when I got home, and yeah, I got super duper duper hooked, and that that's, like, pure, unadulterated superhero, like, Sailor Moon, you know, I mean, like, there's no reason not to group her into superheroes. She's got a secret identity. She's in, like, a team. There's always a bad guy that they defeat. They have different moves, you know. I mean, like, it's totally a superhero story. And um, totally, totally girly. And also, I think the fandom for Sailor Moon is almost half-half man-woman, you know, which I think is great. Like, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that hold, hold Sailor Moon near and dear. Well, now, now you bring that up, this brings me nicely to a, a question for all of you. Um, so I teach these, these classes um, on comics, and um, women consistently outnumber men in all of my classes. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, you know, detective fiction or superhero stuff or Shakespeare. Girls just read more than boys. Um, and, but I'm, uh, what I've discovered is that, um, uh, well, I mean, as I, you know, and this won't be a surprise to anybody who actually shows up at a panel like this. It turns out that um, girls like action-adventure stories, like superhero stories, always have liked them. Um, and yet, um, but a lot of the female fans that I teach, uh, uh, they teach feel that they have to battle with publishers, with store owners, and with, let us say, certain male-dominated enclaves of fandom um, to, to, in order to be just taken seriously as members of the audience. I was wondering if any of you ever had, were given that message at any point that um, superhero comics especially were, f were not for girls, um, that they were supposed to be for boys, and how did you react to that, if so? And I think that's the question. Yeah. I would say a very easy thing, that we are women, not aliens. I mean... <laughs> music, uh, heavy metal. Uh, we have feelings, we like flowers, but we like adventures as well. Why is it so hard for, to persuade a lot of people who actually publish these things of that, though? I have no idea. I mean, it is something that is mysterious to me. 
at the moment because um, people think that her can't like um, man-based <coughs> stories or adventure or everything it's not girl but in the end it's matter of interesting I interest um, I like uh, adventure movies, mm -hmm. books, uh, sci-fi, TV series, and so I do with comic books and superheroes. I mean, it's about stories. Mm -hmm. That's that. Does the desire to push back against that influence how you how you create work now? How any of you are uh, you know? I mean, do you, are you thinking about this when when writing and drawing that there are um, that there are people who are going to accuse you of getting into territory that you don't belong in, or do you just shut it out? Yeah, I mean, they, they think that uh, superhero comic books are something uh, definitely for men, and women can understand how to, to make them. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's about um, to learn the storytelling, the situations you draw. You guys certainly know how to make them. I thought it'd be kind of cool to have um, both an Amy and an Emma Supergirl together, so there they are. <laughs> well, when I first started, because my name Gail could be male or female, most people in the industry assumed that I was male. Just didn't even ask, just assumed it. So that's kind of what the state was at that point, and it was only when pictures were taken and I actually <laughs> talked on the phone and met some people um, that they would even admit that that I in fact was a girl and I was writing superhero stories and um, so at that time it was, and that was only like you know, 10, 12 maybe at the most years ago, it wasn't all that long and um, I was telling them at the time we are going to have a 50% male female audience we are going to have more female creators I'm going to prove to you that these um, female characters have more value to your company than just being someone that can be depowered, raped, chopped up, put in the refrigerator, and then the stories all become about the male heroes. So um, it's come a long way. We can have a panel with all these fabulous female talent who are doing their own things. We don't, we don't have the same material. We don't write alike. We don't draw alike. Um, all this variety and come in and have you guys attend the panel and support their work. It's just been absolutely incredible to see, and the internet has completely leveled the playing field and made a huge difference because your voices can be heard now where they weren't really, and, and there were a lot of assumptions were made, companies were run with a certain model in mind, and, and because people spoke up, it's kind of been shattered. I'm going to applaud that. <laughs>
and not trying to make comics for everybody. And I think that's what's really exciting about Image is there's so many people in charge. Like no one person makes a decision. Everyone's creating their own story. And no one's trying to hit a marketing niche than somebody that they've been missing before. They're just, they're like, oh, I have a really good story. I think people will really respond to this. So I'm just gonna tell this great story. And that is really exciting uh, just to have so many different, like variety, to have so much variety because it's not just one or two people yeah. like pulling all the strings. There are some people that have in their head that um, to attract a female audience, they need to, it needs to be a romance comic. Or yeah. I'm nothing against romance because <laughs> yeah. there are some very good romance stuff. The X-Men is a romance. Yeah. <laughs> they think that it needs to be specifically targeted to a female romance audience. And um, that's there's more to the audience than that. And, and I've even heard things said like, well, what are they complaining about? We have this co this romance comic, and we made it for them. Yeah, you don't make it for them. It's made it for everybody. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wait, we should have romance yeah. comics, because I want to find them. <laughs> <laughs> Every X-Men comic is a romance between me and the When I broke in, I was actually encouraged not to go by my name, which is an old woman's name. <laughs> And uh, there's no disguising Marguerite, and so you know maybe if I went by my initials, like it was by M.K. Bennett. Um, I actually started in prose. I graduated from Sarah Lawrence College um, with my MFA uh, last year, and um, I got in because I I'd written two prose novels, and um, I've been shipping them around to agents, and that's actually something that I've heard several times in response was, well, you know, female writers have a much harder time, especially with the kind of work that you want to do. Would you consider having a pen name? Would you consider abbreviating your name? And for 30 seconds in a moment of weakness, I considered it. And I decided the hell with that. <laughs> You're going to learn them. And it's not the 19th century anymore, you know. Um, well, uh, we also have an opportunity to uh, take questions from the audience. I'm sure there are people with lots of questions. Before we do, we did. I did ask some of you to, to tell me some of your favorite um, female heroes and characters that we could perhaps talk about a little bit. Um, and I, I wondered if, I, I found Lois Lane's first appearance. I cropped the panel. Um, there we go. This is the very first appearance of Lois Lane. I don't know if any of you can see it all the way back there. But she's being very cruel. Um, it, it, cruel and alluring. Um, and, I, and I just thought, you know, I, I love the fact that she, she's so, this is, you know, the economy of the character, that she's there in that first panel. There's so much of Lois that's already there. And then for decades, they tried, they reduce it to something else. To, to, you know, the, someone whose whole entire agency goal and drive in life is to marry Superman. Um, and now she's sort of back from that. Um, so I was wondering if we could uh, talk a little bit about Lois and indeed any of your other favorite characters with something like a, with, with a longer history in common. And Marguerite, I'm looking at you since oh you did gosh. just write Lois. <laughs> Um, there's this wonderful comic that I came across, and the artist escapes me, uh, for which I hope they forgive me. Um, and it's a it's a sequential series of or that's what sequential means. Um, series <laughs> of images of Lois falling from a high place. And yeah, Superman yeah. flies down. Some of you may have seen it. I heard some rumors. Um, and she's in you know her 40s um, reporter outfit. And she's got her pen down, and he's like, "Oh, Lois, I'm going to save you." And she's like, "Oh, I you know set up this trap to catch this mad scientist, and I'm going to get the scoop on this story." 
and then it jumps down to the 60s and it shows her, you know, in like her, her um, 60s outfit and he swoops in and, he's, and she says, ha this proves that you're Superman and now you have to marry me. <laughs> and it jumps down um, to something else. I'm forgetting it. Please forgive me, whoever drew this. And then it jumps down to Lois in the modern age and he swoops down and says, Lois, I'll save you. And she's like, later. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'm too busy. I've got, I've got wars to cover. And so I just loved, just, it was perfect in this nutshell of her evolution and it made me so happy. And I, you know, it was in my head when I was working on the most recent one shot. Um, I mean, Lois is that great embodiment of the change and just the great arc that female characters have taken. Um, from beginning, you know, as, as the romantic interest and only that, or as comic relief, and into completely fully formed, heroic, compassionate, singular heroine. We should talk about that, girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you tried being up here talking to Gail Simone and she asked what you want to know about Batgirl. <laughs> Tell me you won't choke. What makes her a great female hero? What's the essence of it? I mean, you've had to actually, you, this is a character you've had to write through an extraordinary life transformation in terms of for a long time, when you first wrote this character for a long time, she was in a wheelchair. Now she's not. Um, what's the essence of, of, of that character going through those kinds of changes? How do you, when you think about Barbara, what do you think? Who do you think she is? Well, for me, Barbara, you know, and this is up for change for any other writer's interpretation or, or what have you, but for me, she's always been about a character who is the most intelligent character in Gotham, in the Batverse. She's hyper-intelligent. She, um... It's very compassionate. So to me, for me, I look at her as the hope in Gotham. And I think Gotham needs that sometimes because if there isn't any, then I want the hell out of there. Um, and also that no matter what her circumstances is, she knows she wants to help people. That's what she does. She wants to help them. She wants to make Gotham better. And she's, she will figure out how to do that, whatever her circumstances are. And I think those are the things that need to, that are at the core of her character. And, um, it's, you know, she's Oracle. I, I think of her character kind of on a timeline where as, or, as, as the Barbara Gordon Batgirl, she has the potential to become Oracle someday. She hasn't quite made it there. With Batgirl, she's dealing, she's a little bit younger, more naive. She's um, dealing with some things for the first time, but she's overcoming them just as, as she did with Oracle. And so I feel that she is one of those um, characters at DC that should be someone who inspires people to do something, whether it's, you know, whatever their interest is and whatever is stopping them from doing that, hopefully her character will inspire the reader to do that thing. And um, I just feel that's really important for her and all the while while she's kicking ass and and, and, and fighting crime and all that, we need to keep that. Because, and that's what sets her tone a little different from the rest of the bad books. Anybody else want to share some love for Barbara? Or shall we move along? <laughs> I actually do have a question for, for, for the artists on, on the panel. Um, I wasn't, I, I 
didn't occur to me, um, so this is, I'm springing this one on you a little bit, but um, I had a student say something to me in the context of a, to of, a, of a different book about a female character that they were really enjoying the fact that um, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about sex here for a moment. So this is a character who was um, sexual in the sense that she had a sexual identity and a sex life, but she was not sexualized, that she hadn't been represented in ways that were um, reducing her basically to an object of the male gaze, if I may <laughs> be so bold. Um, and so I was wondering for, um, for those of you who, who draw, um, and obviously you're drawing characters who are often, who are physically stunning a lot of the time. Um, is this an issue for you when you think about um, how, you, how you draw these characters? I mean, you know, Danny, for example, you're drawing Red Sonia covers. This is a character who wears a chainmail bikini. Um, I think I've got one here somewhere. Could, could you talk a little about this issue and how you think about it? about it was completely different than how 
male, some male artists talk about it. They're talking about the weight of the under boob and the shape, and if she's flipping up in the air, where would those really be? <laughs> and I was just sitting there, this is, has to be the best conversation that has ever existed. <laughs> Listening to these artists analyze how to properly draw Red Sony's boobs in, these, in the female bikini. But it makes a difference. I'm so proud of all the covers on that book. It's just, they're just incredible. And no one wanted to draw, none of the female artists wanted to draw her not in the chainmail bikini, which totally cracks me up. <laughs> My turn. Yeah, and, and, and Amy, please close with me. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, <Boops> by Emma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I want to ask you a question. Um, why everybody see, sees uh, how sexy are the girls in the comic books and nobody sees how sexy are the men in the comic books? I mean, seriously, guys, do you think that Batman is not sexy for us? <laughs> You're threatening the audience in an entirely different way by raising <laughs> And if you want more about that, you should come to my panel on Golden Age Comics tomorrow. I will give you more <laughs> on that topic. Why was DC offices and I faced this big Batman two meters high? Man, it's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's snaked and it's just colorful. Of gray color, of gray paint with black underpants. <laughs> <laughs> the voice, the voice. <laughs> I mean, if you hear him speak at the phone, it's a maniac. <laughs> so uh, I think it's uh, something very unsafe to have um, very sexy girl in comic books. Uh, but even because people read comic books because they escape from what we are, from our reality, and everybody dreams to be hot, sexy, um, very confident. So um, the women are sexy, but men are, are the same in comic books. So. <laughs> They, they haven't boobs, but... <laughs> well, I, actually, you know... <laughs> she wouldn't be sexy for us. Trust me. Oh, okay, I won't say any more than that. <laughs> uh, Amy. Yeah, one thing that I kind of realized just the other day is the thing that bothers me, I, I think that like just about any character can be drawn a certain way and it just won't seem bad, mm -hmm. and it can be the same clothing and they could even be doing the same thing. Um, I, think, I think what really I care about when I see a female character and how they're done is whether they have personhood. And that's really what gets to me is when they don't seem like a person anymore, when it doesn't really matter um, at all, like that they are just an object. Like there's really a difference, right? Like. I, I recently, uh, for this convention that I go to, like they put on their cover page on Facebook this weird image that seems like a weird photoshopped combination of drawings and cosplay um, gals, but like they all seem like they've been drawn over too, and every single one of them 
looks exactly the same, and they're all like kind of in like I guess foreign poses and like have the exact same size boobs. Even Power Girl had the same size boobs, and they were all fake. And it's like, um, yeah, it's like when that's everybody. And when they don't seem at all like they have a personality or like like they're just soulless, like they just, somebody needs to, you know, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like you can almost see when there's some sort of personhood blown into somebody and then, oh, they're human, they're not a drawing. I guess that's what it is. And so like when I did a Red Sonia cover, like I wanted something on her face. Like I wanted her to be fierce, you know, and that was my way of doing that or like, um, yeah, I think what it is is just I I just want to know that they're people, and that's one reason. Like, I know that Gio March does some ridiculous covers sometimes, but I've enjoyed a lot of his work because his women all look really different, and they have a lot of personality. And to me, that's like way bigger than anything else. It's just personality. Those are some of my least favorite Red Sonja covers. Are the ones where she looks like she that's when I say she's like sucking herself. Why would she be trying to look sexy? Red Sonja would never try. Yeah, to take questions from you all, if anybody um, has a question. Uh, yes, please. There's a Brechtel scale that, that people use with movies that, you know, has three, two or three women in it, and that they talk, the women have to talk to each other, and it has to be a competition without anything to do with a man. Kind of thing. Do you guys kind of try and see if your, your story kind of passed that Brechtel scale at all? Or no, not so much? I don't go about it quite like that, but when I first started writing Birds of Prey, um, uh, I don't know, what was that, 10 years ago probably, um, it was my goal to show that we could have a book that had three female superheroines in it who had their own missions, their own identities, they were friends, but they did missions together, uh, they didn't agree with each other always on the best way to go about it. They did it, and it was kind of like a buddy cop comic, which really didn't exist with women that much. It was, if you put three women in a room together at that time, it was gonna be a fight over a boyfriend, or talking about you know hair dye, or I don't know what, but you know, something like that. So I set out to kind of prove that. That was like my secret you know, motive behind when, we start, when I started writing that book. Um, and that's kind of how I approach it, like with Secret Six, which has a lot of that male eye candy in it that we were talking about, because I decided we're just going to have all of it, you know. And so whatever Catman could be without a shirt or pants or whatever, we did it. Best Nightwing's butt ever. We are very grateful. <laughs> um, so those, that's kind of how I approach it. I don't really sit down and go, oh, is it going to pass this test? It's more about what haven't we done before that needs to be done, I think. Um, to make an interesting story and to get us out of the rut that sometimes we can be in. So that, I kind of do it more like that rather than sitting down and going, 
oh, does this have so much percentage of this in it and so much percentage of that? Well, well I think the real value of that test is, is, you know, it's not that it's, yeah, I mean, there are plenty of great, great things that don't pass the test. You know, Catch-22 doesn't pass that test. But, but it's, it's what the test lets you know is how many things fail it, how spectacularly and embarrassingly, how many movies just completely don't do that. Well, and it shows a certain laziness in terms of writing right. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think from that point of view, it's been a really valuable thing for, for people to think about. As devil's advocate, and I'd like to be proven wrong, so I'm just curious. Hmm. The thing that I, the problem I see with the Bechtel test, especially with movies because they're very short, is that if there's a if the main character is male, and they have to keep it on on task, then it's kind of difficult to have two different women not talking about the main character. So to me, like like it would be you'd be very hard pressed in Rocket Girl, for instance. Um, to have two men not talking about the main female character. It just wouldn't even make any sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It would just kind of get off topic. But what do you guys think about that? Is, am I wrong? Because I'm not, I'm not as frequently writing, so I don't know. For me, it's more about is it a trend or not? Is everything trending that way? Yeah. You know, is everyone being lazy and creating the same situations and stories over and over? It's not to say that you can't have females hurt or you can't have females talking about the lead main characters it's just everyone is that what it's about every one of them so it's more about trends to me or so, and maybe her maybe in uh bechtel's case she was seen main characters being female and there still was never any discussion between women that didn't involve men so maybe that would be part of it and I think there's a lot of dismissal of things that do pass that test. I mean, you look at, you know, if you mm -hmm. have a buddy cop movie about men, then it's a buddy cop movie. If you have a buddy cop movie about women, it's a chick flick. If you have a coming-of-age story about a boy, it's a coming-of-age story. If it's about a girl, it's a chick flick. If it's about a father-son relationship, it's a father-son movie. If it's a mother and daughter, it's a chick flick. And I'm tired of it. <laughs> was um, if the panelists could pick any character, on, a character owned by an, an IP, any female IP property and they could do what they want with it, well, who would they, who would they pick? Well, 
are there characters that you, is there a character you'd love to draw that you haven't had a chance to draw? Uh, I mean, I've, I've never drawn Wonder Woman, but I kind of don't know if I have anything to say. Maybe. Um, I actually ended up with the Red Sonja job because I was fishing around about Vampirella, uh, which was like, to be looking for Vampirella and ending up with Red Sonja and seeing, well, not that they're so different, but that was a little pleasant surprise. Um, but if you'd asked me maybe six months ago, I probably would have said Vampirella, because mm -hmm. I know I've been doing Vampirella covers, so. <laughs> a dream fulfilled. Yeah, a dream fulfilled. I'm as happy as I'll ever be. <laughs> Maybe I, I would like to, to draw a story with Storm versus mm -hmm. Storm. Mm -hmm. Storm versus Thor? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> who who is the real Lord of the Lightning? <laughs> Who's the true Lord of the Lightning? There's no question. No. Uh, uh, Storm wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is super off topic, so I'm sorry. Um, I, I go as Thor for Halloween pretty frequently. <laughs> <laughs> And well, we were in the city uh, last year, and I was in the, like the full get-up helmet, hammer, everything, swaggering around. And um, this little kid with his mom came up from behind us and just saw the costume and not me. And then they walked past and went, oh, "There's a lady in that Thor." <laughs> Are the mouths of babes? <laughs> yes, please. Um, so. Uh, do, you, do any of you ever disagree with your editors about characterization of a character, and how do you deal with that? Um, like, do you find ways around it, and how frustrating is it uh, to have an idea of, of who a character is, and then have someone who you have to answer to disagree with that idea? Okay, um, starting from the thing that we don't have time to be disappointed on something because we rush all the time. Um, I felt sorry to put some corrections on uh, Supergirl costume because they wanted it uh, more covered on fair parts. Uh, <laughs> but I think we live in an age where, uh, where we don't need to, to cover butt to, to make um, how to say, censor. Uh, uh, so I would be happy to be more free drawing her costume. Or something, so, uh, sometimes they cover the cleavage, but actually the, the superhero costumes are like painted. They, they don't, don't wear a costume, they are just painted with color. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it's stupid to cover a cleavage just coloring it. So, I, I would be more, uh, them more open minded on me. Um, I've been pretty lucky with people, um, with edit editorial listening to what I feel would be an interesting take on a female character. I think that the most often, especially in the beginning, what would come up was um, the fear of making the female character look silly or. You know, it was kind of this idea that you should be a little more strident. And sometimes when we get characters like Wonder Woman, and this is all just my opinion, not DC or any other creator's opinion, um, you can get a female character up on a pedestal so high that they're actually boring to read about. And um, but I think now, you know, I haven't had that that discussion for a very, very long time. But I think at first I was like, well, 
girl, the women leaders think this is too silly and, and doesn't, you know, why, why would they go on this date? Why, why do they want to date? Well, once in a while, a female character is going to want to go on a date. It doesn't make them less strong or they're going to cry. It doesn't make them less strong. That's the kind of stuff that's come up once in a while is, is this going to make this character seem less strong? And, right? Okay. Lots of kinds of strength. <laughs> Let's explore them. Uh, yes, at the back. Yes. Um, so a lot of popular female characters right now have been launching into their own books, like Miss Marvel being rebranded as Captain Marvel, and then subsequently getting uh, Miss Marvel as a side character to Captain Marvel. Then we also see all stuff like that. A lot of these powerful female characters are branched off of male characters because of
other in DC staff that they were able to uh, get a new female character to be that popular across genders and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. and yes, um, I noticed that um, in this conversation about representation, a lot of the uh, female superheroes that they talked about are um, the, a lot of properties owned by DC Comics. So I was wondering if you could speak to why you think that, um, or if you think, maybe you disagree, that um, DC superheroines come up so much more often than almost any other kind of character in comic books when there's discussion of characters. Well, it might be because the, the writers on the panel work for DC Comics. <laughs> 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 but, you know, DC has Wonder Woman and Lois Lane, and they've been around the longest. I actually have some thoughts about this, which maybe, because I don't work for either Marvel or DC, I can say. And look, I am the biggest Jack Kirby fan in the world. Um, I, I adore his work. I teach his work. Um, uh, uh, you know, I think um, that he's one of the greatest imaginative and creative forces of the 20th century. Um, but Stan and Jack really didn't write women well. They just, they really didn't. Um, and uh, they were a lot stronger on the racial representation issues, frankly. If you are sort of ticking boxes and putting these things up, it's always seemed to me that DC have had something of a, you know, a large number of interesting female characters, at least potentially, although not often handled well, and that Marvel have um, really been better in terms of issues of racial representation. Uh, this, this changes with the X-Men, and we can get back and forth, and I don't want to get, you know, and before anyone mis misunderstands what I'm saying, I love Jack Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jack Kirby. But, they, but really, they, they, they found it easier to identify with scrolls than they did with women. <laughs> scrolls could be women. They didn't think about it. <laughs> oh my god, what if all women are scrolls? <laughs> Shutting up now. <laughs> Next question, please. Yes, you, sir. Marvel, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that we've been talking about superheroes, but um, Marguerite had 
drama, and usually when we see the super villain, there's always that kind of thing going on with a lot of the women. So um, I'm wondering, like, do you guys feel like there needs to be more representation with female villains going against male heroes? Like, is that something? I mean, I don't think like that's a believable scenario. You know, a woman can be just as deadly as a guy. So I don't know if you guys. I mean, I know Gail's going to be on Nightfall, and I love all that. And Trilloquist. Yes. Because um, the, the great part of superheroes are paid, so um, they they maybe would be not so bad with a, a woman rather than fight against a male villain. For example, uh, I read this story on black white Batman drawn by the awesome Hanamuse. Uh, in which there's Batman that at one point it uh, gets mad at Catwoman, mm -hmm. but he wouldn't have that kind reaction against a male villain instead of Catwoman. So I think um, female villains has this power to, how, how do you say when um, you feel um, not totally uh, power. You, you can't use your whole power against. Yeah, yeah, against. Oh, yeah, uh, you have to pull your punches. Okay. Yes, because um, it's a woman. It's a woman, so uh -huh. you, you can can hit her uh -huh. because this is this respect between uh -huh. a, a man and a woman. Uh -huh. So even if she's a villain, uh, you can't hit her in the proper way. Well, they, they, and, and as, and Sorry for my English. No, no, you're right. I mean, their superhero comics are about hitting. That is actually one of the things that they are about. <laughs> and that's 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 I don't. That's not a joke. <laughs> uh, part the, 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 part the, of that is these female villains are sexy, right? Sexual. Now, when you have a, a female villain that's like the ventriloquist or Junior from Secret Six, who are completely the opposite, I'm hoping. <laughs> Warrior 
on the planet and, and maybe the universe. So she's not going to pull punches. And, and if you want to defeat her, you better not pull yours. Mm -hmm. yeah. On that one note, we are at time. Uh, I'm sorry to didn't get to ask your question, but thank you all. Thank you.